Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. I want to thank Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne and the rest of the staff for the privilege. And I count it a privilege any time I can stand in this place right here and be able to bring the Word of God with the giftings and talents that the Lord has entrusted to me as the steward in His kingdom. Thank the Lord for all the different giftings that we have in our leadership and our presbytery. And uh, again, it, it's just an honor to be able to stand before you today because I believe the Lord has spoken to me. And hopefully you'll hear the words of the Lord through human words. God uses fallible, fallen, finite creatures to speak His word as, as oracles. Let me just tell you, last week, how many of y'all were here last week? Wasn't that powerful? It, I tell you what, I, I mean, I, we could have kept going. And I believe we're going to see days ahead where it's just going to keep growing. It's like nobody, I, I remember, some of y'all have heard part of my testimony. When I was a little kid, I mean, my, I, I tasted a little bit of what's called revival, awakening, spiritual outpouring. I mean, we grew up as good Catholics, and my dad, you know, people said, you have a problem when you were a young kid? I said, yeah. I had a, ter- as a young, young kid, I had a terrible drug problem. My parents always drugged me to church. You know, it's like we, we, we had to go, but then something started happening. We would come out of the mass. We would go morning, mass. We'd go Sunday night. We were good Italian Catholic, so, you know, you always had to be there. I mean, catechism, first communion, confirmation, everything. And then we would come out of the Mass on Sunday night, and there were literally hundreds and hundreds of college students and young adults praising the Lord. It was called the overflow. It was called the aftermath. It was people that that were Catholics that were getting filled with the Holy Spirit and just didn't want to go home because the presence of God was so strong. And if that wasn't good enough, my dad would drag me across town to United Methodist Church after their Sunday night services. We'd have afterglow. And it just kept getting better and better. It was the Jesus movement. And I believe we are on the precipice of another Jesus movement. I like what John Wesley said. When things got so dark in England and so terrible, and they would report to him how vile and evil and dark and wicked. He got all excited. He said, man, it's a great opportunity for the revival to come, for the Lord to do something what man can't do. I believe we are in the tippy toes of anticipation. Are, are, are you on the tip, your tippy toes of anticipation of some great things? You know, I believe the Lord always ends things greater than he starts them. And he started pouring out his spirit thousands of years ago. People call the baptism always. I like the way they said it. The, the old timers would say in Azusa Street. They wouldn't call it the baptism Holy Spirit. They would ask, are you possessed by the Holy Spirit? How many of y'all need to be possessed by a different spirit? Some of y'all used to drink some other kind of spirits. It's interesting. They had those, those stores, wine, liquor, and spirits. That's properly named. But I believe we need to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. I believe what we have had in the past is not going to be good enough for the days ahead. We're going to need a little bit more. People say a little dab will do. No, no, that was a commercial years ago. A little dab won't do. 
We're going to need a whole lot more. So, so, so let me just give you the game plan up front. How many of y'all like the game plan? You like your, your, your organizers, planners, systems, your flow charts. Let me give it to you. Write these things down if you can. Let me give you the goal for today. Move up. Everybody say move up. Move up. Turn the person here and say, say move up. In other words, pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. You're already warmed up. You've been jogging. Now it's the time to start sprinting. People say, oh, man, I'm, I, I'm, I just got my walk with the Lord going. No, no, have your run with the Lord going. The Bible says run the race set before you. Don't walk the race set before you. So, so, so here, here's where it is. Here it is. If you are here today spiritually average, which I hope you're not, but let's just say we all got to start someplace. Is that fair enough? We all got to start someplace. If you're just average, then I want you to move up to, well, let me just say, if you're a below average, then we really need you to move it up. If you're below average, move it up to average. If you're average, then I want you to spiritually believe to move to above average. If you're at the above average spot, like Pastor Ron and a couple of the other pastors here, then I want you to be able to move it up to spiritual greatness. Now, if you're already at spiritual greatness, like maybe Pastor Jamie over here, <laughs> then I want you to be able to, to move it up to spiritual phenomena, to move it up, to be phenomenal in the Lord. Why? Because the Bible says the greater one lives inside of you. And we serve a phenomenal God. We serve a winning God. We serve a God that says what's impossible with men is possible with God. Only believe. But you got to believe for it. Everybody say, I got to believe for it. See, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But guess who has to be strong in the Lord? It's you. A lot of people want Jesus to do it all. No, no. No, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, but I've got to step out and do it. The nation of Israel had to go forward in battle. They couldn't sit back on their blessed assurance and just let the Lord do it all. They literally had to pick up a sword and run to the battle line. They had to swing a sword. I mean, it's very clear. Resist the devil and he will flee. Who has to do the resisting? Oh, Lord, why is it? Oh, how come this? No, no, you got to do some little bit pushing. A little bit resistant. So, so, so this is what we're believing for today. Let the weak say, I am strong. Come on, are you weak here today? Let's all say, today, I, am I am strong. See, all of us got weakness in some area of our life. All of us. None of us are exempt. But in that area of my life, there's no excuse. Because I could reach out and grab hold of the grace and the strength that's available in Christ Jesus. The Bible says if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me, he that raised Christ from the dead shall give life to my mortal body. One translation says quicken my mortal body. I love prophesying that over athletes I do spiritual coaching with. You can get faster. He can quicken you. But you got to be the one to believe it, to stand up and begin to believe. You know why? Because our Jesus hates mediocrity. He hates it. He hates lukewarmness. He hates lazy, spiritual sluggishness, laziness. He hates it. Now, I might not get there tomorrow or next day or next month, 
But if you keep believing and reaching hold of, grabbing hold of God's grace, grabbing hold of his strength, saying, I am desperate, Lord. I'm not satisfied where I am. Then you'll be able to get to the place of turn your weaknesses into strengths. You see, the difference between an average person and above average person is very simple. You've taken notes. An average person makes excuses. Above average person makes adjustments. They just make adjustments. Because if you allow average in any area of your life, it'll eventually bleed to every area of your life. If you allow mediocrity into your marriage, it's going to bleed into your fathering. Speaking to the men right now. If you allow mediocrity into your personal life, well, you know, I could have a personal life and it doesn't affect my public life. You know, some politicians believe that. No, no, no. It bleeds over into every area of your life. If you allow half-hearted attitude in what you do on the job, it's going to determine the future of your career. Because our, our God hates divided interests, double-mindedness, unfaithfulness, quitting, these are toxic to a believer. They're toxic. Why? Because it's not the nature of our God. It really isn't. Our God is, he is the great I am. I heard about two amen. He is the great I am. So anything less than that, it, it, it really goes against his, his nature. You know, again, we all start off somewhere, but we don't need to stay there. Why? Because my Bible says he takes us from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. How many of y'all want to go to a higher level of faith in God? Then you got to step it up. Again, everybody say, step it up. You got to pick up the pace. Come on. Come on. Can't be blaming it on COVID anymore and pandemic anymore. You got to pick up the pace. It's available for those who go out and grab hold of it. Are you as desperate? I mean, think about all the excuses, those that had their friend on the mat, and he was dying, he was lame, and they get to the place where Jesus was, and the house was packed out. They could have said, sorry, sorry, my friend, we tried. I mean, at least, you know, give, you know, give us a C for trying. But thank God they had some people of faith. Y'all that saw, saw it in The Chosen, I mean, that, that, that lady was a woman of faith. You watch it in the chosen. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. Ask the person next to you, are you willing to take no for an answer? She had to get up on, they had to take him up on that roof. And they just lower him right down. That's the kind of tenacity we're talking about. Moving it up. One level of faith to a higher level. See, the Bible says that God will give you the land, but it's little by little. If you're faithful with little, you'll be ruler over much. So he, he sees what you do where you are now. But let me tell you where most people in North America are. They're satisfied with mediocrity. They're satisfied with average. I want to take a few minutes and talk to you about don't quit before it gets better. Look at the person next to you and say, don't quit. Look them in the eyes. Say, don't quit before it gets better. You see, the spiritual awakening we're talking about Spiritual awakening is not dependent on who's in the White House, but rather who's on the white horse. Can I hear an amen? About five amen. Not dependent on who's in the White House. Now's not the time to quit. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36 says, So do not throw away your confidence. That's you. That's me. Can't throw it away. It will be richly rewarded. We'll win. Faith doesn't know how to tell time. 
You might well put away your watch. Don't throw it away. It will be rich reward. You need to persevere. Some translations say you need to endure. I've never seen more people just giving up. They're not willing to endure. Well, I guess this is the will of God. What, for you to fail in your marriage? For you to fail in your family? For you to fail in your career? For you to fail? You've allowed fail to, to, you fail, you've allowed failure to define you. That's not the God that I serve. The God I serve, you might fail, you might lose, but that means you're a loser. Don't, don't throw away your confidence. It will be rich reward. You need to persevere so that when, everybody say when. Yeah. Oh, that's what I don't like is when. When is it going to happen? When am I going to get past all of this? You see, you think God is punishing you. God's not punishing you. He's preparing you. Because what you think is punishment is actually preparation for promotion. That'll tweet right there. I give you the right. Go ahead and send it out right now. Galatians 6 says this, 6, 9. It says, so we must not grow weary in doing good. We, everybody say we. So not just for pastors and ministers and fivefold, you know, leaders. And it, no, no, it's, it's everybody. So we must not grow weary in doing good. For in due time, we will reap. We will reap. Say, I will reap. Come on, one more time. I will reap. If. Now underline that. Circle it. Put stars, however you want. If we do not give up. You know, many people are just quitting. They're quitting their jobs. They're quitting their marriages. They're quitting their friendships. People going ghost on you like never before. Casper, the friendly ghost. I mean, they're just out of here. They're giving up on God-given dreams, giving up on commitments. It's what I call an internal quit. Oh, on the outside, it looks like they haven't quit. But internally, they've resolved, man. I'm just putting it on autopilot. External autopilot. I'm just coasting. Cruise control faith spiritually anemic, but really on the inside, they have thrown in the towel. People say to me, hey, hey, Frank, I just want to get back to normal, man. This last two years. Now, if you're talking about get back to normal, that we don't have to wear masks and the six foot, whatever that meant, the distancing thing and don't be here and don't do that. And, and you know, all, I, I get it. I get it. But if you're talking about going to, back to normal, meaning spiritually dead and anemic Laodicean Church of America, then I say, no, I don't want to get back to normal. A lot of people come to church expecting the supernormal when they're supposed to be expecting the supernatural. That's not, no, I don't want to go back to normal. Now, if your normal is devil chasing, miracle shaking, power of God, then yeah, let's get back to normal. Because that's where we're supposed to be all along. What's called normal is really abnormal by the subnormals. Because we've lowered the standard in America what normal is. It really is. We are so desperate we don't even know it. Because awakening is happening all around the world. Right now in Latin America, every day 25,000 people turn to Christ. 25,000. In China, it's like 35,000 according to government. A lot more they don't even know about every single day. Largest churches in the world are not in the United States. Take it to El Salvador, one church about 80,000. Take it to South America, one church about 150,000. Take it one in Colombia, almost a million. 
Take you to this fledgling church in South Korea at a million, and the largest is in Nigeria. And the problem is that talking to one, one of the Uganda pastors that's experiencing a tremendous outpouring of, of God there in Uganda, he said both the United States and Uganda are desperate for God. The difference is we recognize we're desperate. You guys don't recognize how desperate you really are. Hello? Say amen or oh my. It's tight, but it's right. And God wants us to, to step, step it up. Radical, passionate, miracle-working, earth-shaking, disciple-making, devil-fleeing Christianity. You know, Revelation chapter 3, verse 21 says this. And, you know, really it's in just a few of the chapters. It says it eight times. He who overcomes. Everybody say, he who overcomes. overcomes. I'm going to let that settle in. Let's reverse it. Reverse engineering. He who doesn't overcome, what? Won't. God won't grant. Jesus will not grant him to sit down with him on his throne. Oh, what a friend I have in Jesus. Is that right? Maybe you're calling him friend, but is he calling you friend? Come on. It's he who overcomes. Now, I'm not talking about earning your salvation or striving for God's love. No, no. He already loves us. And we flow out of his love, out of his grace. And if you've really experienced his love, you should be passionate for Jesus. Because above Jesus said, who much is forgiven, what? Loves much. Maybe you don't realize how much he's forgiven you. Or maybe you're just what we call in the streets, faking the funk. Maybe you haven't really even been saved. You're wearing the uniform, but you're not on Team Jesus. You're a fan, but not a real follower. You're religious, but not righteous. Because when you realize how much he has forgiven you, oh, you love him much. Nobody's got to chase you down to disciple you. Nobody's got to convince you and twist your arm to be part of a connect group. Oh, I don't know about that. And I don't know if I need, want to be part of the next step. I don't. You don't need to. Because you got a new lover in town. And it's King, it's King Jesus. He overcomes our grant to him. I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as also, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. You know, I wrote this down the other day. An unmotivated spiritual life is a self-induced coma. Some of y'all, that just An unmotivated spiritual life is a self-induced coma. In other words, you don't need to blame the devil. The devil says he's doing a good enough job on his own. I don't need to bother him. He's, got, he's in a self-induced coma right there. Like I've already said, if you allow mediocrity in one area, it's going to spread to every area of your life. It's what's been called most recently the quiet quit. Quiet quit. You know, uh, COVID and the pandemic exposed a lot in people's lives. Now we're coming out of it, and a lot of people... S-I-N, sitting in neutral. They're still, they're still there. The quiet quit. You know, in other words, what's the required minimum I can do to get by on the job, in my marriage, at my university, on my sports team, in my neighborhood, and at church? What's the minimum just to be able to get by? I like the way Mike Rowe says that. We're going to watch a little video clip, how he explains this quiet quit. Micro, uh, I want you to hear this. I think it was, is it from TikTok? Was I right? This is from TikTok. 
this is 20-something, mm -hmm. talking about this new term, quietly quitting. <laughs> I'm hearing people talk about the term quiet quitting. What that means is people are not going above and beyond anymore. They're not chasing hustle culture at work. They're just doing the required minimum. Essentially, they're doing what they're getting paid to do. Why does quiet quitting have such a negative connotation, though? Sure sounds a lot to me like creating work-life balance for yourself. <laughs> Look, a C plus, a C, you know, it's a passing grade, right? I mean, it's if you work hard. Look, when I went to school, and probably you too, we, we got two grades. We, we got a grade for our accomplishment and our aptitude, and we got a grade for our effort. I got attitude. It was attitude with us. <laughs> well, it was one to five, I remember. Right, right. So all that stuff really matters. What is your attitude? What is your philosophy? What is, have you taken the time to think about your relationship with work, right? Like to really think about it. Have you made it the enemy? Have you uh, suggested perhaps that it's the proximate cause of whatever unhappiness you have in your life? Most people have. So the idea of quietly quitting I'm sure is very appealing to a lot of people because they don't have to step up and do it publicly. Let's see what Jesus said about this, all right? Are y'all with me? Because I believe we need to be prepared for what's ahead and we're not ready right now. I mean, what's coming down the pike possibly in the years to come, it might get worse before it gets better. And a lot of people are already quitting and it's not even getting, getting worse. I'm not prophesying it, but here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 through 14. It says, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will these things happen? You got three questions going here. When will these things happen? In other words, when will everything, all of it hit the fan? That's in our vernacular, at least where I come from. When everything hit the fan, when will all these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out. Everybody say, watch out. Watch out that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They will mislead many. You know, it's all the false religions out there. And oh, there's many ways to God. You know, Jesus is just one of the ways. You can find all the pundits on TV talk, talking that way. For many will come saying, I am the Christ, will mislead many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Make sure that you are not alarmed, for this must happen. No, I don't want this to happen. No, 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 I don't, I don't like that kind of preaching right there. But, but Jesus said it's going to happen. But the end is still to come. The end is still to come. For nation will rise up in arms against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pangs. Wait a minute. You mean it could get worse before it gets better? Possible. That's why we're preparing you. Why we're preparing you? Because many of us, our spiritual immune system is not strong enough to be prepared for what's ahead. All the doctors now say you want to prevent... You know, sickness, viruses, infection, build up your immune system stronger. Why the guy next to you is always getting sick, you're not getting sick, he's always sniffled there. Because you might, might be your immune system's a little bit stronger or vice versa. And here, here he says, he's the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted and will kill you. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. Everybody say, Jesus' name. 
Oh, as long as you talk about life principles and motivational things and all the, you know, oh, the Lord blessed me. And oh, thank you. I want to give the Lord uh, the glory for allowing me to make the NBA All-Stars. As long as they just thank the Lord, that's fine. Nobody's going to push. But you start saying Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. You're talking about what Jesus' words? Jesus said, those who are ashamed of me and my words. Some aren't ashamed of Jesus, but they're ashamed of his words. When he said, do not commit adultery. When he said, don't be living this way. Oh, then, then, then everything breaks loose. Then many will be led into sin. Many be led into sin. He's talking about church folks led into sin. Oh, I could still be a Christian and smoke dope. I could still be a Christian and sleep with my girlfriend. I could still be a Christian and just, just a, a little bit of pornography. Oh, I can leave my spouse because I, I, I've fallen out of love. No, no, you don't fall out of love. You fall out of trees. <laughs> Hello? You walked out of love. That's where Jesus said, unless you want to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. My wife has had to put up with me for so many years, dragging around the world, babies in all these different countries and mission work and everything else. If she was just going on feelings, feelings is like the, the caboose. Commitment is like the locomotive. You could, you could run that train without that caboose. Because when you press through and you just say, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. Come hell or high water, I'm committed. Even when I don't feel it, I'm still going to stay faithful. The caboose will always jump on board again. Hello. Uh, it's, it's tight, but it's right. I mean, let's just go on from there. And, and, and it says, where was I? Y'all got me distracted there. Okay, and they will betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Many false prophets. What is it talking about now? The you know, cult of transgenderism, self-mutilation? I mean, it's irreversible damage to our kids. That's a cult. That's a cult. Antifa, critical race theory, PLM, neo-Nazism, cancer culture, ethnic supremacy group, socialism, we need it in the United States. You gotta be joking. I just got back from Cuba. I was walking on Santa Fe campus not too long ago, and they had the Socialism Club for Santa Fe. So, out of curiosity, I wasn't trying to pick a fight or anything. I'm not that kind of guy. I just was curious. I was, cur- I was curious. So, I went up to the table and and met the president, the vice president there. They thought they were, had a new recruit. And, and, and um, I said, tell me a little bit about what y'all, what y'all believe in everything. And they started pontificating on the greatness of socialism, communism, and everything. I said, let me ask you a question. Oh, sure. I said, have you ever been to Cuba? And they said, no, we haven't. Okay. You ever been to Nicaragua during the Sandinistas? And then, no, no, we haven't been there either. Either. Have you ever been to Venezuela? ¿Cuántos venezolanos hay aquí en este lugar esta mañana? How many Venezuelans do we have here? I, they said, no, no, we've never been to Venezuela. Have you ever been to the former Soviet Union? No, no, no. I said, well, I have. And your philosophy sounds great on paper, but it doesn't work in reality. I've been to Cuba over 30 times now. I said, you don't. But, but, but yet, Jesus saying here, false prophets pulling you into their fake news, fake narrative. 
He goes on to say this, And because lawlessness will increase so much, the love of many will grow cold, but the person who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached, will be preached throughout the whole inhabited earth as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Jump into verse 42, it says this. Jesus continuing on, he says, therefore, stay alert. Everybody say, stay alert. Again, turn to one of your other neighbors that you've been bothering already, the one neighbor. Now turn to the other one and say, stay alert. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been alert and would not have let his house be broken into. Years ago, uh, we were invited to attend a conference here in Gainesville. We were living in Tampa, and there was a host family that were going to let us stay at their house to save money, not staying in a hotel. So we didn't get here till late night because the, the conference started the next morning. So we got late night, like about 11, 11.30. They gave us their address. This was before GPS. And so we got the, the address and map and everything. So somebody, so, so we get there. And, uh, and I go up to the door to go, to go in, they, they, because they left the instructions, just go in, it's to the room to the right, once you go down the hallway, we're going to be sleeping right, and I go in, the door's locked. I go, man, what are we going to do? The door's locked, so I'm trying to bang it and move it, ends up, we were at the wrong house. I'm so glad that that door wasn't open. We would have went into the guest bedroom and fallen asleep, Mary Lou and I. Now, if that would have been a thief... He would have stayed alert if he knew what time that thief was coming to his place. And that's what Jesus is saying. We have to be on the alert. If you knew for sure, nobody knows when, but if you knew for sure that Jesus was coming at the end of this week coming up, how would your affairs be? What would you do? How would you act differently? And Jesus is saying it very clear. Stay on the alert. Therefore, you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And then Jesus continued on this in Luke 21. He says this, but be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation. Now, what is dissipation? We don't use that terminology in English very much. Here's what it means in Cambridge Dictionary. It means don't make sure your heart's not weighed down by behavior that involves spending too much time enjoying physical pleasures. Mm-mm-mm. Nothing wrong with physical pleasures. But is your heart being weighed down, involved too much physical pleasure? I often have to evaluate Football, hunting, fishing, these are all, but Lord, is, is this weekend, no, next week maybe, or next month, or maybe you want me to put it on the shelf because you want me to spend more time with you? Oh, come on, that, that, anything can become an idol. I say anything can become an idol. About 10 of y'all. Anything can become an idol. He says, it's beyond your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. I don't believe he's talking about here drinking alcohol. I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. I think he's talking about just the drunkenness of, of, of the cares, the busyness, the distractions, the activities, the worries of life. And that day closed down upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will overtake all. Everybody say all. All who live on the face of the whole earth. 
but stay alert at all times praying. Stay at all times. Stay alert at all times. How do you stay alert at all times? Praying. My challenge to you this morning is, is to ante up. Up your prayer time even more. Oh, here we go. Another sermon about praying. You know, the, the, your level of prayer, like your level of your immune system, a few years, it won't be sufficient for these strange, new strains of diseases that are coming. The same way spiritually, your spiritual immune system is not there. It was there a couple of years ago. But it's not going to be enough. You need to increase it even more. So Jesus clearly tells them, look, all these things are going to come on the earth. Don't pray that they don't come on the earth. They're coming on the earth. But stay alert at all times praying that you may have strength. Everybody say, you may have strength. Oh, I feel so tired. Oh, Oh, I just can't. I'm so tired. He says, pray. Pray more. Pray more. Pray more. Sneak away sometime, 10 minutes there on your lunch hour. Pray a little bit more. You get home, well, no, I prayed in the morning. Pray a little bit more in the evening to escape all these things that must happen and to stand before the Son of Man. You see, some of y'all, again, feeling like God's punishing, but he's not. He's preparing. Not an audience. He's preparing an army. I see a lot of Christians are just one fry short of a happy meal. I mean, it's like, you, come on, champ, you're going to have to step it up a little bit more. He doesn't want spiritually sluggish armchair quarterbacks, but rather well-prepared, valiant warriors. You know, many times when I ask the Lord for a breakthrough, Lord, I need a breakthrough. He gives me instead a challenge. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm asking for a breakthrough, and he gives me another challenge. And I found as I tackle the challenge, then I'm prepared for the breakthrough. Because he doesn't want to reward spiritual passivity. There's two types of groups emerging in these last days. Number one, those who have passed through the fire of God's testing with an expectancy of greater things, greater ready to explode things on the scene. Jesus said, will I find faith when I return? He didn't say, will I find your 401k in order when I return? He didn't say, will I find your retirement plan just right? Will I find? He said, will I find faith when I return? Number two, those who've settled into business as usual as spectators, just trying to wade out the storm and return to normal. There's two ways people will try to make it in these last days, the Lord spoke to me. Either number one, the arm of the flesh, or number two, the arm of the Lord. Which one? Which one? John 15, 4 says this. Jesus is speaking. He said, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless... Unless. Everybody say unless. God always gives us unlesses, conditions. Unless you believe, you won't be able to receive. Unless you repent, the same things will. Unless you try. Unless you abide in me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, then why do we act like there's some things we can do without him? He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, is thrown away as a branch and dries up. I've met so many dried up Christians because they're not abiding. They're not abiding. Abide means to live or stay somewhere. 
It's not coming and going. It's abiding. Maybe you, you, you're praying 15 minutes a day. That's all the time I have. I, I'm, I'm challenging you to abide to 30 minutes. Most Christians around the world, trust me, most Christians around the world spend two to three hours a day with the Lord. You might say, well, they got the time to do that. You know, we're, no, we got more conveniences than they do. I like John Wesley. He said, well, I find my, my, when I find my day is so busy, that means I need to spend more time with the Lord, not less, because I need more of his help. I remember we were birthing a church on Valdosta State University campus years ago, and that's when, when our economy took a slide. We hit a depression, 2007, 2008, nine, right in there. And um, so I had to take on a part-time job as, as one of the managers at a new Chick-fil-A. Store manager and the store chaplain, so I got to preach to people, which was great. So I had five children. I had international missions organization, planning a work on Valdosta State University. And I just, I just need to wake up earlier. I just need to wake up earlier because I'm not going to forfeit and compromise the time I need to spend with the Lord. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not. That's a non-negotiable. Everybody say non-negotiable. I believe we won't make in these last days without a real increase in abiding, a weaning ourselves of things that really don't, don't matter. D.L. Moody said this, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. It's like you're, 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 you're charging up your phone. You're, yeah, but you didn't charge it up enough. And then you went on a road trip and it's like, ah, oh, you only charged it up 60%. Your 60% could get you by when you were here at home. But now you're on a road trip somewhere. You didn't take the car, your charger with you. You didn't have enough. If we do not step it up, there's not going to be enough in the tank for the days ahead. Go ahead and bow your heads. Jesus didn't say when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast, do this and this and this. Here's my challenge with your heads bowed. To begin to connect with Jesus in intimate prayer, private worship, fellowship with him at least 30 minutes to one hour a day. At least. How desperate are you? See, when someone's desperate, they don't have any, I mean, excuses, no son valido, like they say in Spanish, no vale. They don't matter. You're desperate for food and nothing in the cupboard and, man, you'll go fishing out that pickle floating around that jar in the back of your refrigerator, you know, whatever. You'll look for a candy bar that might have dropped there in your sofas, the cracks. You're, you're, you're desperate. How desperate are you? I'm going to challenge you to fast one time a week. A meal or sundown to sundown. One time a week. This is what, this, I'm just giving you the formula. Doc, doctor can't make, make you, you do anything. I'm giving you a formula of what's working around the world and what's worked throughout history. It's called the disciplines of life. It's the preemptive strike against what's coming on the earth. Fasting one time a week. Making it a discipline. Part of your lifestyle. Taking a Sabbath rest. 
I don't have time with Jesus. Sabbath rest, I don't give you more time with Jesus. That doesn't mean going to Disney World and doing this. That's not resting. Meaning you could sleep in. <laughs> you could wake up and spend however long you want with the Lord. You could turn on YouTube and be ministered to by whoever. You're resting in the Lord. So here's, here's the call. Number one, if you're not in Jesus, maybe you've given him 80% of your heart, but now you haven't given him 100%. Then today is your day. He'll forgive you. He loves you so much. He'll take you right where you are. You don't have to clean up before coming to him. It's a gift. But he also loves you enough to not keep you where you are. If that's you today, we're going to have an opportunity. A few minutes, our prayer team's going to come forward. We want you to come forward and say, I want to give my life completely to Jesus. I've given him visita weekend visitation rights, but I know he wants full custody. He wants everything. And for everyone else, if you're ready to make a fresh commitment to the Lord or return to a first love, or you just need someone to stand with you in faith during this challenging time in your life, I want you to come forward and let someone agree with you for a breakthrough. Well, why do I need to come forward? Because you need to show that you're putting some skin in the game. Come forward. The Bible says let others agree with you in faith. There's power to that. And then if you say, Franco, I, I just, I don't know how to pray 30 minutes. I might put in some worship music and listen to the words, but how do I open my mouth and begin to worship? How do I get that intimacy? This coming Tuesday, I'm leading the, our early morning prayer at 6.15 a.m., Oh, that's too early. Yeah, but I, I want to show you how, in, how to pray for 30 minutes. We're going to have a little workshop, practical, of taking you through the Lord's Prayer that was a template on how to pray. I thought you had to pray the Lord's Prayer over and over. Our Father, whatever, the name, the King, no, 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 it was a template because he showed us how to be able, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You could take five, ten minutes just thanking the Lord, just worshiping him. Oh, Father, how great you are, how wonderful you are. All of a sudden, your problems start falling off. Does he want you to bring your needs? Oh, yeah, yeah, but that's later on in the prayer. He's a good father. Yeah, he wants to hear what you need. So you come here on this Tuesday morning, 615, and we're going to show you how to be able to pray for 30 minutes to an hour. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of not only being in your kingdom. Prayer team, come on up while I'm, even while I'm praying. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your kingdom. Jesus, you said that we didn't choose you. But you chose us. That we would go and bear fruit and fruit that would remain abiding fruit, reproducing fruit, multiplying fruit. And you even said, this is the, in this the Father is glorified, John 15, that we bear much fruit. Lord, each one of us, may we bear much fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. Just make that your prayer this morning, Lord. I want to bear much fruit. I want to end stronger than I started. I want my first love to return, to even be stronger than it was at the beginning, not weaker. Lord, I want to be more passionate, not weak, weaker, 
than when I first began this race. Maybe you're not in a connect group. You're trying to do it on your own. An independent cell is called cancer. It looks for other cells that can join to multiply its rebellion. Oh, you got your buddies out there. You got people, oh, you don't need all that. Come and gather with those that, yes, be part of the body. As you leave here, go to the kiosk. Say, I'm going to sign up for a, a connect group. Sunday is great. That's vitamin A. My personal time, oh yeah, that's vitamin B. But I need vitamin C, D, and E. I need it all. I need someone to disciple me. I need spiritual coach, and I need others to stand with me. You want to run fast? Run by yourself. You want to run far? Run with others. I want to run far. I want to make it to the end victoriously. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.